I'm going to be a little bit heavier in my notes today. I'm tired. I, uh, I, I wrote this sermon yesterday, unsure if I was going to write a sermon at all. And then I sat down to write and just began to write. I haven't had time to really look over it the way I like to look over things, to put to memory the things I want to put to memory. And I know you understand that. So today I might be a little bit heavier in my notes, and I appreciate you understanding is that. Because as many of you know, and if you don't know, I'm going to open that door for all of us to enter that together, is that this week has been a difficult week for us. And we moved my dad, Bob Carroll, who many of you love, and I found love maybe as much as I love him, moved him into hospice care this week so that he could receive the nursing care that he needs as he moves from this world into that promise of resurrected life that we talk about so much So it's been hard. It's been a difficult week to process all of that. And I will miss my dad. But I want to be clear about this. I don't worry about my dad. I'll miss my dad. I don't worry about my dad because I know that he is going to go be with Jesus, his Savior. As we talk about the word saved, and as we talk about any word, as we, anything in our vocabulary, I've said before, we typically have pictures in our minds that go along with those words. And today we're going to talk about four different words, and those words are probably going to bring up all kinds of pictures in your mind for you. And sometimes what we have to do, the, the work of deconstructing, constructing, of the work of, of understanding our faith, and bringing a solid foundation to what it is we believe as we build our theological house, and as we take down certain walls and build new walls and put all that together. Part of that is reframing these words for us. Part of that is learning to say that the picture that I may have about this word is maybe not the word that is the correct word, the correct frame to use for that word. That picture has been distorted That picture has been distorted by certain things that people have said or beliefs that I have heard or things that I've been told to believe. But then as I begin to dig into it and see how does, how do my beliefs and how do what, how I see the world and how does the scripture interpret all of that for us begins to say, Hey, maybe you need to create a different kind of picture for that. And so today we come to four words, and those four words for us, we're going to reframe. We're going to try to capture some new pictures so we can see some grace and some life in them. Last week we talked about one of these uh, words that is so significant, and that word is the word saved. And so as I talk about my dad, as I talk about his salvation, that word, I have a certain picture in mind of what that looks like. And I want us to all explore that today. Because what I know is that that word, the word salvation and saved, it's an important word, but it was an important word to my dad. It was an important word because he talked a lot about the experience of hope that comes with giving your life to Jesus. He spent 50 plus years helping people come to faith in Jesus. He said, listen, there is an opportunity to be saved from this, to be saved from this reality of suffering and pain and hurt and brokenness that this world seems to offer over and over again. And he said, come and be saved and experience the joy and the life and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus. My dad spent his life talking about that salvation, not as something to do, but something that he had experienced himself. 
And he simply wanted others to have that experience. In retirement, he continued to share that hope with those around him in the way he lived. He was always sharing the good news of Jesus. How many people, countless people, have said, I knew that Southeast was the church for me when I met your dad. And I met him in the first five minutes. Because that man, he couldn't get away from a door. He didn't know a stranger. When he saw, when he, at the entrance to, the, to wherever we were gathering, it didn't matter where we were meeting over the past 10 years, in seven different places, he was always at that front door. And he was always welcoming everybody in. And he welcomed everybody in as a friend. It makes me think of that's the way he preached. He always said, friends, friends, because <laughs> everybody was a friend. Nobody was a stranger and absolutely nobody was an enemy. And everybody was welcome to hear the good news of Jesus to come to his table to receive his salvation. My dad taught me that. So as I got ready to sit down and write this message, I had considered canceling. I know our, ch- our church family would have, would have been fine with that. The support and the care that you guys have, uh, it's immeasurable. But I just knew I couldn't cancel because I knew my dad would want me to share this message. His birthday is actually tomorrow, and so I I thought about it, and I thought the birthday gift that I want to give to him is to share the message that he would have wanted to preach. Maybe this is a message that we would have, as we did in the past, maybe we would have preached this together. And that would have been awesome because the way that we preach is sometimes I go in one direction, he goes in another, and we find ways to flip that cube and share it in all different ways. Man, that's going to be something I'm going to think about so much now is how many different ways can we look at things and begin to process that and see the ways that we can look at it. So today, this message is for him because the good news of Jesus was so central to his life. It was central to the calling of his life. He was called to share the good news of Jesus as a pastor, as a minister of the gospel. But in that call, he was not alone. We are all called to share the good news of Jesus. And it's a calling Jesus gave his followers at the end of his time here on earth, in the last moments with his disciples. And it's a call as we read it, we see as a call given to us as well. Listen to this in Mark 16. It says, When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Now, let's pause for just a second here, and I'm going to have Joe come back to me. Because there's something here I noticed that I wanted to recognize that maybe I hadn't seen before that is coming to mind. There's all these words here about belief. Do you see that? Over and over and over again, it says they did not believe him. He rebuked them for their, for their lack of faith, their refusal to believe that he had seen him. It says that those reported to the rest, but they did not believe that he had been resurrected. And I want you to see something fascinating here. Do you see that as we read this, the first thing we read is about Mary Magdalene, and the first thing we read is something about seven demons. And all of us kind of pause for a second. We all kind of step back and we go, man, that sounds strange. I, I, that, that seems like a strange thing to me. 
Later on in this passage, we're going to find some other strange things that they say and strange uh, understandings that the ancient world had about our world around us. But I want you to recognize that the rebuke that Jesus gives his disciples, the call that we have in here, is not about those things. It's not about those things that we try to interpret how the ancient world understood the world. The rebuke and the call is to believe in the resurrected Jesus. That is the central question of our faith. Everything else is what we talk about, what we seek to understand. All of, all of this is in dialogue. But the peace that we're called to believe, the peace that is so critical for us to understand because it changes the way we live, is the resurrection. That Jesus defeated death. That he has eternal life present and that then we experience the resurrection through him. And at Southeast, and what we read and how we see Jesus talk about this is that resurrection is not something we wait for. Resurrection is something we experience. This reality is that the old is gone. An old way of living is gone. We are resurrected into a new way of life no matter how old we are. And that is then built into the hope that we have that the resurrection is something that we await, a promise we have as Jesus restores this broken world and invites us to participate in eternal glory with him, experiencing no suffering, no pain, but grace and forgiveness and mercy, where there is no greed and there is no hate and there is no racism. There is simply unity found in the body of Christ, that this world is restored to the reality of love that it's supposed to be, that it is at the center of God. That is the call to believe that we find in this passage. So then he goes on and he says to them, after all of this, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now this helps us understand this next verse then. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Then he goes on, he gets back into some things that are hard for us to understand and comprehend. He says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his words by the signs that accompanied it. And again, there's a lot going on in this passage. There are a lot to stop and pause and say, I don't know that I can believe all of that, but that's not the call. The call is to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. This is a sandwich. It begins and ends with that. So as we get into these difficult parts of this passage, things that I would love for us to talk about and get into more, I want us to focus on these verses. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe, and remember this is tied to resurrection, will be condemned. Hmm. Now last week we talked about that word saved. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And we asked some critical questions for us. I sat down on my computer and I said, hey, I've got questions and I I don't know the answer to any of this. What does it mean to be saved? Do, Do I really know what it means to be saved? 
I felt a call to ask these questions because I realized that whatever we believe about that salvation experience is what we're going to share with others. What we believe it means to be saved in our own lives is how we'll understand what it means to be saved as a community. What we understand is we're saved as a community means what we believe to understand what it means to be saved for the world. And what we believe what it means to be saved for all of us means how we're going to view other people around us. So what we experience as salvation, how we understand salvation, the picture that we frame as this word saved has an impact on how we share it with other people. And our understanding is typically defined by two other words that we find in those passages. And those, those two words seem to be at odds with each other. And I want to read those. These words are the words saved and condemned. Connected to these words are two words found in the phrase believe and be baptized. So here's our four words. Believe and be baptized. Saved and condemned. And what we want to do is we typically want to stop I would love if this just said, Jesus said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But then we get this comma. Commas make us pause and realize something's coming. And it says, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And I always try to imagine, what did the original audience think about when they read these words? Did these same four words stand out to them in the way that they stand out to me? See, the first two sound like conditionals. The last two sound like the results. If I believe and I'm baptized, I will be saved. If not, I'll be condemned. And it's easy to then read into these words a notion of blessing and punishment. It's easy to read into the words a notion of heaven and hell. If I do it right, I get to heaven. If I do it wrong, I'm sent to hell. That's how we read this. And we use that language, I get to go or I'm sent. We often hear this language when we talk to people about church. Maybe there's a wedding or a funeral taking place, and somebody says, I can't go in there, you know, I'll be struck by lightning, right? We have this immediate concept of condemnation. And it's fascinating to me because we think, what that, what that says, what that tells us is that we think that God both saves and condemns. Maybe you think about that. Maybe the reason that we put so much blessing and punishment in heaven and hell in these verses that we read is because we think that saving and condemnation have the same source. We think that the saving and the condemnation come from God. But we couldn't be any more wrong if we believe that. One of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, we're shown a better picture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now listen, listen, this is the one we need to read. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Read that with me again. I'm going to have Joe put that on the screen. Read that with me again. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn. If you didn't read it out loud, I'm going to make you read it again. Read it out loud. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Listen, but to save the world through him. It is not God who condemns us. It's us. It is not God who condemns us. It is us. When we're presented with the good news of Jesus, we are presented with a choice. We can choose to follow the way of Jesus to experience the transforming power of God's grace, love, and forgiveness through him. 
or we can continue to seek our own path. The invitation is given to believe that the way of Jesus is true. Let's go back to what we talked about before, that through his resurrection, God announced that hurt, suffering, death of this world has no power over the healing, freedom, and life found in eternal life in Jesus. I talk all the time here about the way of Jesus that we are invited to explore the way of Jesus. The early church talked about it as a path of two ways. And they didn't talk about it as a path of two ways in terms typically of heaven and hell, of eternity, not eternity. We get focused on that. We tend to think it's all about the end game. And instead, what Jesus is saying is, I'm inviting you to new life. This path that you can take over here, you may experience grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness. You may be a good person. You may have all that in your life. But surrounding that path are the thorns of suffering and hate. Surrounding that path is greed and racism. Surrounding that path is the temptation to be a part of this world that is so broken. And Jesus just says, why don't you come with me on a path that is just filled with new life? Come with me on a path that is surrounded by the fragrance and the flowers of grace and mercy and love and forgiveness, a beautiful path surrounded by others who are following the way of Jesus, who are giving us a glimpse of heaven in this world today. Because in that journey, we see that the, at the end, we see the eternal joy of God. We see the love of God. We see the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. We follow Jesus towards that. And as we do, we surround our path with those good things this is not like we like we showed that picture before about jesus saying if you choose this path that i'm sending you to hell not at all it's jesus saying this is an invitation to come and join me on this path because i don't want you to go down that road i don't want you to face the suffering of this world i don't want you to face the hurt of this world in that way i don't want you to take any part of that i want you to be born again into the newness of life that is found in this way The disciples, like us, struggled with this. They struggled to understand that choice before them. Jesus wanted them, he wants us to experience the joy of heaven, of eternity in our present circumstances. And he taught this all the time. If we go back and read Jesus in this lens, we see that he was always talking about the glimpse of heaven in this life. But like us, the disciples focused on what was ahead. They got focused on where things were going. We find comfort in the words of Jesus then as he shares with them a promise. A promise that gives us a hope for future. But if we read into it, we see what Jesus is doing. Yes, he gives them the promise of what's to come. But within that is a reflection that says, then live that out today. This is what Jesus said. This is so fascinating to me. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the place where I am going. Now we're all carrying some heavy stuff. Do you see what Jesus says? Don't let your heart be troubled. He wants us to release our burden. In him we find relief in the trouble of this word of this world and how do we do that listening into those words believe 
also in me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Believe. We're back again to believe. Believe in Jesus, believe in the resurrection, believe in the life that he offers to all of us. So questions for you this morning. Friend, do you believe in the words of Jesus? Do you believe in his love for you? Do you believe that God has sent his son so that you could experience eternal life both now and forever? Do you believe? That's Jesus' simple question. That's the call that he gave the disciples, the call he gave to my dad, the call that he gave to me, the call that he gave to us to share the good news of Jesus with this world. To look around our world and say, friends, there are two ways to live. And I just invite you to come with me. There are many rooms. The, the, the table is welcome to all of us to come. There's no condemnation found here. Only invitation. We don't stand at that way as gatekeepers, holding others from coming to Jesus. We stand as guides. Fellow guides on the journey of following the way of Jesus. Saying, hey, come here. Come here. I, I, I just want to show you. I found a way. And his name is Jesus. And in Jesus, I've found grace and I've found love. I've found mercy and I've forgiveness. I have found other travelers that now I call brothers and sisters who walk with me because I don't have to walk alone. So, so friend, what I'm saying to you is don't, don't walk that path on your own, but come with me. Let, 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 let me walk with you as we walk with Jesus. And here, here's the belief. The belief is the hope and the resurrection that yes, there is somewhere that we spend eternal life with our Heavenly Father where there is no suffering and there is no pain. But the amazing thing about it is that that path that leads to that, that path is filled with glimpses of that experience today. Jesus is saying, don't wait. Don't wait until the end. Experience the hope of eternal life in the here, in the now. Believe. Believe that God has sent his son so that you may experience eternal life. As we close, I want to come back to some familiar words of belief. I want to invite you to say these words not as a repetition of something we said, but maybe as something that you need to say. If you're not ready to say them, that's okay. I, I just invite you to take time then and just listen to these words. Ask questions about them, process them. Know that God loves you so much he sent his son Jesus to invite you to believe in a new way of life, a glimpse of eternity, the grace and love and forgiveness found in him today. And that journey begins when we believe. 
Now, the words I'm going to read, we, we don't believe in these words as some kind of magic formula. We don't believe in these words as a statement that saves us. Not at all. We use these words to articulate what we believe about Jesus and this experience that we call salvation. Saved, saved from where we've been to a new reality for our lives. In community with others, living out the good news of Jesus. That's the power found in these words. As we say, I believe, we say, I believe that this path is a better path. We say, I believe in the glimpses of heaven that come in believing in the resurrection of Jesus. That I believe that it is better to be in community than to live in isolation. I believe that it is better to live in a place of hope than it is a place of fear. And I believe that it is better to live in a place of love and inclusion instead of a place of fear and condemnation. That's what Jesus calls you to. That's what he wants the Holy Spirit to do within your life. And that is what our Heavenly Father has created us to be as he restores this world and gives us new hope in the promise that comes in the resurrection of Jesus. So friend, do you believe? Let's read together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I don't know if you believe that today. But here's what I know. I know that my dad believed that. I know that I believe that. Not because my dad believed it. But because I have experienced the resurrected Jesus. When I believed and I was baptized and I gave my life to following Jesus, I experienced a new life in new ways that I can never even begin to explain. And I continue to experience new life in ways that I cannot explain. I continue to experience the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And as I experience that in my own life, it begins to be poured out around those around me. And I don't always get it right. But that's because I've also experienced grace and forgiveness, and I continue to experience grace and forgiveness. And what I'm saying for you today, it's not that I'm asking you to believe it all, but to believe that. Believe that found in Jesus is something so incredible and so amazing that I can't help but tell you about it. God, we are so thankful to come into this community, a place where we ask questions, 
place where we learn and grow, a place where we try to figure things out together. God, help us see that there's only one thing we have to figure out. That is this resurrection thing, that you bring new life into our lives today. Help us to continue to center on the way of Jesus. As our mission and our vision statement says here, we are exploring the way of Jesus. Help us to stay focused on that path, on that way, knowing that you have sent Jesus not to condemn, but to save us. And we love you and we thank you for that today. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.